Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. And I receive supernatural debt cancellation in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Open your Bible to Psalm 103. How many of you were blessed by Evangelist Kate McVeigh this past Sunday? Amen. It's good to have her with us. Psalm 103, verse 19. Psalm 103, verse 19. We're continuing with the Laws of the Kingdom midweek series, Bible study we've been doing. And it says in Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. The kingdom of God rules over everything in every other kingdom. We said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. To review just briefly, we said the kingdom of God, the word kingdom is defined as royalty, rule, reign, and realm. We looked in Daniel chapter 2 and said that God's kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break every other system and cause them to pass away like dust in the wind. We said kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are synonymous terms in the gospels. The kingdom of God is the power of God. We said the kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. The kingdom of God is also how God operates, how he does what he does by his power. We said God's power and his ways are far above every system, and if you operate by the laws and mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system of this world. A few weeks ago, we looked at the parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 16, and Jesus made a statement that the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. Why were they wiser? Because the children of the world worked their system. They believed in their system enough, they, were, they put their laws and their operations to work. And if the children of the world believe in their system, shouldn't the children of the kingdom believe in theirs? We should have as, as much tenacity and dedication to put our laws, our mysteries, our systems to work so we can see the results God intended. We define laws as a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. We said it's also a principle based on the predictable consequences of an act, condition, and etc. We looked and we said it's also fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. We said in the word of God, some laws are outright called the law of this or the law of that, like the law of faith or the law of love. And we said other laws and principles can be observed and deduced. We looked at the law of joy last week, but we're going to look at a different law tonight, the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is a natural law as well as a kingdom law. It is simply defined as you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures tonight, so stretch out your fingers if you need to. Don't get a cramp. Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 27. The law of sowing and reaping, you will reap what you sow. 
not karma because karma is just a copycat. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish or fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Notice the first words man ever heard was, be blessed. It is the perfect will of God for all men for all time. These are the first words God spoke to him. He blessed him. When he studied the word, it's always be blessed. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So the first thing God gave man is the blessing. The second thing he gave man was dominion or authority. The first thing God gave man is the blessing. And then he gave him dominion and authority through his commandment. They're given instructions. But notice what he says in verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the, all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So after he blessed them, he gave them the blessing. After he gave them authority and dominion, they have the command of God. The next thing God gives his man, his woman, is seed. He gave them the blessing. He gave them the dominion. He gave them their command, which was the limit of their dominion, which, which spanned the entire earth. And then he gave them seed. When you look at verse 29, so yeah, well, seed for food. But how many of you know that you don't eat every single seed that comes into your hand? Some is for eating and some is for sowing. Because remember, people think the Garden of Eden covered the entire planet. But when you study chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you see it's not so. Because if they kicked out of the garden, that means the garden had a limit. When you study it out, the garden covered parts of North Africa, parts of the Middle East, and it was a limited area of time. It covered what is now modern-day Iraq. And in the garden was God's will for mankind. But it was not just his will, like his perfect will of all time, the Garden of Eden, which was perfect, which was the place of the blessing, which was a place of ease and plenty, was the lowest level God ever intended man to live. He only wanted to increase from there. So he put them in that spot, and he expected Adam to use the blessing he gave, to use the authority and the dominion, to use the commandment, to use the seed, and cover the entire planet with the garden. But we know it didn't happen. We know sin, death entered in, and man fell. But notice how important it is, is one of the first things God gave man is seed. Go to chapter 8. God will always give you seed. A lot of times in our life, I'm getting ahead of myself in the messages, we are in situations because we eat our seed. We take our seed and get a happy meal and we starve the next week. Please don't be quiet on me tonight. Just pretend like you're watching Kobe in a couple hours or pretend like you're watching Steph Curry and be engaged. Because if not, we might have to go and cover and preach more longer than the games. And I know y'all don't want that to happen tonight, do you? No, all right. So pretend like Kobe's playing his last game. Pretend like Steph Curry's about to break a record and be engaged. Don't be quiet on me, all right? Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. This is God's promise to Noah. 
while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now, how do we know that day and night still exist? Cold and heat still exist. Summer and winter. You know, Michigan and the north is kind of confused. Their winter's still going on. I'm so glad to live in the Atlanta area. Thank you, Jesus. So if all those things exist, so does seed, time, and harvest. Now, one of the things you have to understand about seed time and harvest, the length of the time between the seed time and the harvest depends on what you're planting and what you're intending to reap. Just natural examples. Remember, we said it's a natural law as well as a kingdom law. Green onions take only three to four weeks to produce after you sow a seed. Radishes, 25 to 30 days to produce. Peas, 60 days. A fig tree, one to two years. An olive tree, two to three years. A peach tree, four to six years. An apple tree, five to eight years. And some orange trees, 15 years. A lot of people are wondering, why is my seed not producing? It may still be growing. And remember, not every season is a fruit-bearing season. It may just be a growing season, a season where you water, a season where you take care of whatever you planted. Because if you're looking for something really big, it's not coming overnight. You may be sowing a seed today for something 15 years down the line. And you're supposed to nurture that seed until it manifests. Now, one of the things also, remember about a seed. If you sow an apple seed and get an apple tree, it doesn't just produce one apple and then it's done. It produces several apples every year for years until that seed is done. So you have to think your seed, whatever you're sowing, keeps producing your entire life. And if you keep setting out, it'll produce for your next generation too and the generation after them. There are some seeds that will keep producing into the millennial kingdom of Christ. Go to Ecclesiastes. Well, no, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. The law of sowing and reaping. Seed, time, and harvest. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate or share with unto him that teacheth in all good things. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you see Paul also talks about the same mentality, saying if I, you've received of us spiritual things, how great is it for us to receive of you natural things? So notice, in this instance, a lot of times we look at the sowing reaping scriptures, if you see what is mentioned before, you'll see what context it is. So in this context, when he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping, it is finances. We're going to look at another scripture in a moment, which is a general seed time and harvest principle. So it says, be not deceived, don't be tricked, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. 
But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. This is also a general principle. It applies to finances, but also applies to anything you do in your life. If you act ratchet, you will reap ratchet. If you act a hot mess, you will be a hot mess. If you keep sowing these things, it will come back to you. And there are things that pass down generational lines. And you may be acting, well, why am I going through this? Maybe you had a crazy great-grandfather who sowed seeds that you're reaping the harvest for. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Because even if they sowed crazy, you can block it by pleading the blood. So I cancel every assignment from hell. It stops before me. It's not going with me or my kids. You want to sow blessings so that if Jesus tarries, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren just walk in blessing because you live right. I was looking at one person I believe was a preacher in the Great Awakening in the 1700s, and so he and his wife lived for God all the years of their life. They went home to be with the Lord somewhere in their 70s or their 80s, and, but someone studied all the children that came from them. And they talked about how many kids they had, and it said there were from that line eight vice presidents, a number of senators, huge number of businessmen, teachers, and preachers. Every generation increasing in the blessing of God because one generation said we will follow Jesus for the rest of our days. And it blessed everybody after that. What you do today affects tomorrow. Every choice you make is a seed. Your words are seeds. What have you been sowing? Because you are walking in harvest today of what you sowed yesterday and the days before. And if you're hearing this message going, oh, I'm in trouble, pray for a crop failure, repent, and turn around and sow the right seeds. <laughs> and let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired in doing the right thing. Don't get tired in sowing the right seed. Don't quit just because you've been doing it for a while. Remember, you may be growing something that's like an orange tree. Let us not be wearing well-doing for in due season, at the right time, at the set time, we shall reap if. One of, the t- one of the biggest words in the Bible, two little letters, if. We shall reap if we faint not. Meaning you could be sowing all this time, nurturing your seed, get to your harvest time and quit and get nothing. And go, oh, I tried that sowing seed, it didn't work. No, you gave up before you can harvest. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And as you turn there, I'll read you what verse 10 says. It says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Look for opportunity to sow seed. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Verse 1. Don't get tired of sowing seed. Look for opportunity to sow more seed. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for you know not what evil or trouble shall be upon the earth. 
So stop right there before we go forward. He's telling you to sow is going to come back to you, but now he's telling you another reason to sow. He said, there may be trouble in the future, but you can sow to handle it. Do you know a lot of times some of us are trying to count all harvest and we haven't seen it. Sometimes your seed has blocked stuff from coming to you. You might think, well, I hit, this hit me, but think about all the other things that could have got to you. And your seed blocked it. Because if you're tithing and give, remember, he'll block or rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your seed has defensive power. Your generosity has defensive power. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, and the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observes the wind shall not sow. If you're always looking at your circumstance, you will never start sowing. You will never start tithing. You'll never start giving. You'll never start sowing. There always will be a reason not to sow. Don't think I'll wait for the right day to sow. There will never be the right day. There will always be a reason. There will always be a problem or a situation not to do what God said. And he regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for ye knowest not whether it shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. In other words, always sow. Every opportunity you have to sow, sow. I remember one time, a number of years ago, could have been, let's see, good 15, 16, 17 years ago, you know, before we had these nice chairs in the sanctuary, we had pews. And so we used to have those days where we had three services on a Sunday morning. If y'all been with us long enough, you remember those days, especially, you know, I served in the choir, not always by choice, but I served in the choir, especially in those mass choir days. And so we get here at five something in the morning to get for rehearsal, then he had the three services. But there was other days we were just there, and so I, my seat was right here. This was my seat as a teenager. This is where I sat and received the word. And my grandma, who's right over here, sat next to me. And so, you know, if you're there all the time, you know, I already gave him the first offering. You're at church all day. How many offerings am I supposed to give him? And so I was gonna let it pass by, I had I already given. It was probably our uh, mission day or something too, so I probably already given twice. And then so I was about to let the bucket go by, and my grandma stopped and said, always put something in that bucket. Always sow seed. Never let the bucket pass you by. Never let an offering go by that you don't give. It's that principle from Ecclesiastes 11. So I've been having seed in the ground since before I knew how to sow. Because my parents knew that principle. They put it in my hand for me to sow, and I grew up sowing. So I'm walking in harvest that I could have sowed when I was five. Teach your kids to sow. They may not understand in the nursery, but still put something in their hand so they can give when it's time they give in the nursery. They are going to follow those habits even when they grow. You always look for opportunities to sow. Because if you're always sowing, you'll get to a point where you're always reaping. Amen. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 24. 
You can't look at your circumstances to let you know if this is the reason or not you're going to sow. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is that scattereth, that sowing, that's giving, yet increases. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat or more than he should, but tends to poverty. When you think naturally, that doesn't make sense. If you hoard everything and you keep everything, you should be good. But if you're giving all this stuff away, you should be broke. But there is a law in the kingdom. If you keep scattering, you keep giving, you're going to increase. But if you're holding what you should give away, you're going to be broke. Verse 25. Because remember, people who fall in that category are the wicked. And remember when we looked at a couple Sundays ago in Ecclesiastes, maybe even last week, we talked about how, and it says in Ecclesiastes, that God gives the wicked a ministry to gather, to hoard up, so God can take it and give to those who are good in his sight. I think we looked at it last Wednesday. But look what it says in verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. It says in the Amplified Translation, the generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters himself will, will himself be watered. Reaping the generosity he has sown. So he who waters himself will be watered. Reaping the generosity he has sown. So if this person is watering, he is sown, he will reap that same thing. When I looked it up, when I was looking in just my Bible and the translation says the Hebrew liberal soul is the soul of blessing. You know, it's become like a Christian catchphrase, well, I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's true. And if you are a source of blessing, you are a source of generosity, if giving becomes your habit, God will support your habit. Be a place where the blessing can flow. Now, one of the things you have to understand about giving and about sowing, everything you do is led by the Spirit of God. So you may just want to because you're a good person, you got a generous heart. There's some people who already are gifted by God as givers. And you just want to give, but check with your spirit first. Should I give in this situation? And what should I give? How should I give? There's different type of givings when you look at the Word of God. When you look at Proverbs and other scriptures, it talks about a certain giving to the poor. And it says when you give to the poor, God will repay or he will reimburse you. So whatever you give to the poor, the Word of God says God will reimburse you himself. But then he talks about other type of sowing when you sow into good ground. But then there's other times God may tell you not to give. You might say, well, that just sounds strange. It sounds as strange as when Paul was going around preaching, the Holy Ghost told him, don't preach in that city. You might say, well, the Bible says go into all the world and preach to every creature. But you're supposed to go to the part of the world God sends you and preach to the creature he tells you to preach to. It's the same thing about sowing. So you may be out in the general populace and you see someone you want to give to, check with your heart first. Lord, do you want me to give to this person today? Because if you're giving and God's not leading you to or you're overriding what's in your spirit, you could be supporting someone's disobedience and rebellion. And now you're a party to their sin. Check with your heart. Remember, we looked at, we should be moved with compassion. 
That's a phrase we see in the word of God again in the gospels again and again. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion and he did this. But remember, the Bible also says that Jesus only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. So what happened? As he's moved with compassion, he sought the wisdom of his father and the wisdom of God, which is the leading of God, met the compassion of God and produced the miraculous. So always be led by the Spirit in your sowing. Go to Luke chapter 6. The law of sowing and reaping. And there are times God may lead you to bless people who you know are trying to scam you. He may. And other times he'll say, just go the other direction. Be led by the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Familiar scripture. Jesus says, give and it shall be given unto you. Notice it doesn't say this is a financial scripture. This is a general principle of the law of sowing and reaping. When you look at the verse before, it's talked about judging and mercy. So the scripture applies to everything. It applies to finances as well as mercy and whatever else you can think of. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. It says this in another version. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. So what is the standard of measurement that you use? Now, if it's God's will that you get to, and it is, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that's his goal. So imagine... You have this cup, and this is your standard of measurement. But you just pour a little out, little's coming back. God's will is as this cup fills and overflows. But if your standard of measurement is just a little, it's going to take a minute for your cup to be full. It's coming back to you. The will of God will still be accomplished, but have you delayed your harvest because you're stingy? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Not giving you my opinion, I'm give you the word. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, the standard of measurement is different for every person. Because remember, Jesus talked about in the Gospels the widow woman who gave two mites. And the same offering with all these rich people who just gave out of their abundance. It didn't matter to them what they gave. And Jesus said, this woman, this widow woman outgave them all. It was her standard of measurement. So the standard of measurement is different to every person. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, when you look at chapter 9 for chapter 8, you know he's talking about finances. 
He's checking the Corinthian church because they made a big deal. Says, oh, we're going to give. We're going to give a big offering because they're a more prosperous church than some of the other ones. And then a year later, Paul said, dude, you said that you're going to give. I went back and told all the other churches, and they got excited. So they said, we're going to give too. And a year later, everybody else gave, and you haven't sent your offering yet. So that's why he's writing them in chapter 8, chapter 9. So he says, but this I say, because they didn't take up all the offering yet. He was so sparingly, that word sparingly means stingily, shall reap also sparingly. You sow stingy, you get stingy. And he was sown bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You give as you purpose in your heart, not because of a sob story. Someone gave you a sob story, so he's like, oh, I got to give. Oh, it's offering time. Well, I got to give something. Don't give with that attitude. God loves a cheerful giver. We looked at it last week. It's a person who is prompt to do it, someone who's happy to do it. Another translation says, God is unwilling to do without a cheerful giver. And so the thing is, if you are a cheerful giver, that's a good way not to go broke. Because God is unwilling to do without cheerful givers. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, He's quoted Psalm 112. You should read that when you get home. He have dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. So he's talking about the Psalm 112 man. Well, instead of quoting, just go ahead and go there. Keep your finger here. Psalm 112. And look at the type of man he's talking about. And fellas, if you're trying to find yourself in the word of God, Psalm 112 is a great place to start. I believe I am a Psalm 112 man. Notice what it says, Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, blesses the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Some great things already. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. So this man has wealth and riches in his house and his righteousness is intact. That means you can have an abundance of wealth and riches and you don't have to compromise the way you get it. That means you don't have to violate the law of love and how you grow richer and richer. Unto the upright there rises light and the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends and he will guide his fares with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings for his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established, he shall not be afraid till he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. So this guy, you won't look, you know, ladies, we have Proverbs 31 woman. Fellas, you want to be the Psalm 112 man. So go back to 2 Corinthians 9. Revert verse 9, pick up with verse 10. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, 
Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Notice, God ministers seed to the sower. God will give you seed. You have a need, you sow a seed. Ask God to give you seed. And when he does, make sure you sow the seed, not eat the seed. Because you can eat the seed and receive nutrients for a limited amount of time and then it's done. If you sow the seed, you get a lot more out of it. But notice, a minister's seed to the sower, why? Bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. So God will bless you. He'll cause things to come to you. Some is just for you. It's for you to enjoy. It's for you to whatever you like. God knows what you like. He says he's given you all things to richly enjoy. He doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. So he will give you things. He will give you the desires of your heart. There's some desires of stuff you want. God put it in there in the first place. You really think it bothers God if you drive a Maserati? You really think that stresses him out going, they have a Maserati, it's an idol. No, it's not. It's whatever you allow to move God out of number one is an idol. Some people's poverty is their idol. Because they put that above what the word actually says. So notice what it said, multiply your seed sown. We read over that scripture and we just think of what it means, we think what could be naturally. We sow an apple seed, we get an apple tree, it produces a bushel of apples every year. And we think God has multiplied our seed sown. How many think that's what it means? No, that's natural, that's normal. An apple seed should produce an apple tree that should produce many apples. What's supernatural or God multiplying your seed is you plant one apple seed, you get several apple trees. And those several apple trees produce several bushes of apples for several years. That's God multiplying your seed sown. You need to set your faith for this, that every time you give, every time you sow, imagine God and his angels putting something extra in that. Because if he's multiplying your seed sown, your harvest is also multiplied. That you get harvest based not on what you sow, but what God put on top of what you sow. God blessing the seed that you sow. So go to Genesis chapter 26. Coming down the home stretch. Genesis 26. Verse 1, and there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. This is not a recession. This is not a great depression. This is a famine. People are starving. The earth is not producing because there's no rain. You can't grow much when there's no rain. You can't grow in a drought. So there's issues going on and people are in severe trouble. So it makes sense to Isaac, leave. Go to a place where they got water. 
go to a place that got food, and when the famine's over, come back home. But the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee. And so he promises that he'll bless him. He promises what he swore to Abraham will come to pass in Isaac's life. So verse 6, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Now Isaac wasn't per- perfect. He got into fear and messed up, and he had to get his life right. But look at verse 12. After he got back on the path, then Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land of famine. The land that's not producing for anybody else. And received in the same year a hundredfold or a hundred times, and the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants. Wait a minute, how is he having all this? Is a famine. The cows should be dead. The sheep should be dead. The horses should be dead. How is he increasing? How is he multiplying? The Lord had blessed him. Now, a hundred times it goes back to God multiplying your seed sown. So for every seed he sowed, where he should have got one plant, he got a hundred. And how many know you don't just put one seed in the ground and leave it alone? They took bags of seed. He became richer than an entire nation as one man. One man made the entire nation jealous. Rest of chapter 12. The whole nation couldn't stand him anymore because he came there because he didn't have a lot. So this guy comes in not having a lot, but he leaves with more than a nation. I was studying, I was looking at the scripture about Solomon. When Solomon was living for God, when God blessed him, it talks about how God brought to Solomon in one year 25 tons of gold. One year. This does not include all the extra things that came to him or it did not include all the stuff that came into the nation. So this is just what came to King Solomon. 25 tons of gold, which is about to, by today's standard, about $1.1 trillion in one year. One year. All the way back then. And we live in a multiple trillion dollar economy today. Couldn't it be possible that God can shift the economy and give it to the church? He did it for Solomon. We have to expand our thinking. So I'm working on expanding my thinking. I've been reading that Solomon scripture for the last few days. Because if he can call 25 tons of gold to come to Solomon, there's a huge margin in there. I may not be at Solomon's level, but hey, Lord Jesus, we can get there quick. My faith grows exceedingly, as it says in Thessalonians. Expand your horizon. Go to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus 25. God can multiply your seed sown. It's what he desires to do. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Leviticus 25 verse 20. Giving you the background that God gave Israel a law so that the land could rest. He said, you sow and you reap every six years. 
but on the seventh year, you don't sow and you don't reap. And they're saying, when you look at verse 20, and if you shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? That makes a lot of sense. Well, how are we going to eat the seventh year if we can't sow, if we can't reap? He said, behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. He said, then I will command my blessing upon you, like he did Isaac, in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. So he said, when you get to the sixth year, I'll command my blessing on you. So not only will you have food for six, the sixth year, but you have it for the seventh year, and then the eighth year, because you got to go sow that next year, and that fruit won't run out till you get to the ninth year, so you can live off of what you sowed in the eighth. How God commanded his blessing, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. So God can command the blessing of the soil of your life and cause you to have a bumper crop bigger than anything you can imagine. He did it for Isaac and he did it for Israel. He can do it for you. He's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. God can make a soil produce a bumper crop that will make up for years. So if you need restoration, you should stand on that scripture. Oh, I have years where I lost a lot, but I believe God can make it up in one year. Especially if it's the great year. Especially if it's the breakout year. You got to get on your faith about some things. Don't just let that word pass by and say, oh, that was a great New Year's message, Bishop. I wonder what he's going to preach in December. No, no, no. Get on your faith concerning what God has said about this year. Don't let it pass you by. Go back and look at your blanks. Put it back in your mouth and believe God. Because I believe what the Lord said shall come to pass. I choose to be like Paul. I believe what was told me. I believe God. Go to Amos chapter 9. Now I need five more minutes. You guys going to give it to me? I need about five more minutes so I can get through it all. Amos chapter 9 verse 13. Because I want your faith not to be because I said something, but your faith to be in the word of God, which is the power of God. Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader grapes him that sow a seed, and the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and the hills shall melt. What is he saying? There's coming a time when you will harvest quicker than you can sow. That when it comes time for you to sow again, you're still reaping the harvest of what you sowed last time. This is acceleration. This is increase. It's like what Sister Kate prophesied on Sunday. He said, she said that in the next two years, you'll do the work of 20. This is supernatural acceleration. 
This is God super on your natural. Him commanding the blessing upon you. Him commanding the blessing on this house. Him commanding the blessing on this ministry. Him commanding the blessing on your house, on your family, on you as individuals. So if we're set in our faith that we're going to do in the next two years what we could do in 20, why don't you believe God that for your house, everything that you can make in 20 years, you're getting two. All the wisdom you would gain in 20 years, you're getting two. All the breakthrough you could get in 20 years, you're getting two. You think it's going to take 20 years for my family to come back together? Why can't they come back in the next two? Set your faith for supernatural acceleration. Add that to your blinks. I added it to mine. I believe God. It shall be what was told me. Another translation says, things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. Everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. So knowing all that, how do I harvest? How many think that's an important question? That's why I asked for five more minutes. You got five more minutes so I can talk about how to harvest? Go to Philemon chapter one. It's only one chapter, so Philemon one. Verse six. How do I harvest? Philemon 1. Philemon verse 6. Philemon verse 6. Philemon verse 6. Notice what Paul says. That the communication of your faith may become effectual or active or in operation. That your faith may become active or operative by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You want these laws to work for you? You want the mysteries of the kingdom to work with you, for you? You want any promise in the word of God to work for you? You must acknowledge it. You must open your mouth and say something. That's how you got saved. You believed in your heart that Jesus is the son of God. You believe he died and rose again. Then you opened your mouth and said so. That's how you got saved. That's how you got in the kingdom. That's how every other law in the kingdom works. You must say something. You must acknowledge it. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. So open your mouth and acknowledge the promise of God. Hebrews 10 verse 34. For you had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. What is he talking about? He said, when I was in trouble, when I was in a situation, when they locked me up, you gave to me. Sounds like the church of Philippi. So notice what he tells these givers who gave joyfully. They're cheerful givers. Cast.
cast not away therefore your confidence. That word confidence is also translated all outspokenness or bold speech. Don't throw away what you've been saying. Don't throw away your faith confession. Why? Which has great recompense of reward. That word is translated payday. Your confession has a payday. Confession builds a bridge for faith to take your harvest to you. Your confession has a payday. Your confession builds a bridge for your faith to get what you're believing for to come to you. Another way we're going to translate the recompense of reward, he says when he was looking up, it could be said, money is coming on feet to you. Because you said something. A lot of people sow their givers, but when they leave the house of God, their words are jacked up. And they're not broke because they didn't give. They're not broke because they didn't save. They're broke because their vocabulary is broke in the area of faith. And because they keep speaking the curse, they keep speaking poverty, they keep speaking foolishness by the wise of the word, they stay in their situation. Because they did not put a guard over their mouth. Loose lips sink ships. If you don't control your mouth, you will blow what God has for you. You shoot holes in your boat all the time because you don't control your mouth. That same word mouth in the Greek is the same word they use like the mouth of the sword. So you can say your mouth is a weapon. You've got a powerful weapon under your nose. But you turn it on your spouse, you turn it on your kids, you turn it on the president, you turn it on the governor, you turn it on the Congress, you turn it on everybody you go. And you wonder, well, why is everything jacked up? You spoke jacked up, you got jacked up. Your words are seeds. You should speak the blessing of the Lord. Doesn't matter what your political party, speak the blessing. Speak the blessing of Republicans and Democrats and independents and socialists and communists, anybody trying to run. Because even if they're messed up, the blessing can fix it. Watch what you say. And on the other hand, it's hard to talk about a person you pray for. It's hard to post crazy stuff about the person you pray for. So you may not say, you may put it on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat, or you may take a picture of something crazy you want to say and put it on Instagram. This lets you know that you're not praying for that person. What are you speaking over your kids? What are you speaking over your spouse? What are you speaking over your boss or your employees or your job or your company or of this economy? We have what we've been saying. We must watch our mouth. Go to Psalm 103, almost done. Because we're going to pick it up next week, talk about the law of confession. The law of confession. Psalm 103. We looked at verse 9 at the very beginning of this message. But look at verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word word. 
So do that scripture says, the angels hearken or they obey what God says. Did it say that? No, it says that they hearken to the voice of God's word. So if you give God's word voice in your life, they listen to what you say. So if you put God's word in your mouth and you say it, the angels will listen to you. A lot of our angels are on the unemployment line saying, we will work for faith confession. Because we've been saying everything but the word, and the angel's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Have you given your angels anything to work with? Or the last time you gave them a job was five years ago, and you wonder why everything's not working now. Psalm 35, I'm close here. Actually, no, no, verse 21 first. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. So notice the angels, remember the ministry spirit sent to minister unto us who are heirs of salvation. They hearken to the voice of the word of God, but they also do the pleasure of God. Look at the pleasure of God in Psalm 35, 27, and we'll close here. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them shout for joy. That didn't sound joyful. Let's try it again. Let them shout for joy. Hallelujah! And be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Angels hearken to the voice of his word and they do his pleasure. Angels are connected to your prosperity. Angels are responsible for helping your harvest come to you. But if you're not putting something in your mouth, giving your angels to work with, your harvest won't get to you. One of the things I've been telling you all year long, even since last year, you should say every day, at least once a day, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Why? The scripture says say it continually. So I say it every day. Let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Then I add, if he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, then he greatly delights in blessing me, his beloved child. Say that all the time, every day. Well, I'm giving the angels something to work with. And then I go beyond. I'm running out of time, so I'll kind of sum it up. I go beyond as a Satan, I bind you. Take your hand off what belongs to me. I claim this amount for this week. I claim this amount for the church this week. Angels, go get it and bring it in. That's out of my mouth every day. What do you need to come in this week? To command Satan, demand he lets it go. And then you tell your angels, go get that amount. And so I started doing this in the fall. It became a revelation towards me as I was listening to Brother Copeland preach. And so I started small, in my opinion. I set my faith towards it. Angel, Satan, you let it go. Angels, go get it, bring it in. And that exact amount came that week. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. So I did the second week. And you know, the week went by. I didn't see anything come in. Then it was on Thursday, Friday. I happened to sign up for this, uh, it was just like this promotional they had going on. 
to do, you know, I have two dogs, and so I was going to go out of town. And it was a promotional where we will watch your dogs for you. And I won. I'm not sure if I'm the only one who entered, but I won. And it was the exact amount I had been confessing for that week. So I took it up a little bit. And so sometimes it would come as people financially blessing me. Or to come as we go a place to buy something, and all of a sudden it was on sale just for us. There's an outfit that I really like that the first lady bought for me, and it was near Thanksgiving time. It was supposed to go on sale on Black Friday, but she walked it up in there on Wednesday. And so they were adjusting their computers to get ready for Friday, and they said, you know, it's on sale for this today, but you know what? We'll just give it to you for Friday's rate. You don't have to come on out. Like, that works for me too. Because there's some things you can quantify in financial terms, but some things you can't. So that's what comes out of my mouth every day. So I just let my faith expand a little bit more. I was listening to Mark Hankins, let it expand even more, claiming bigger amounts and watching God bring it through. And there would be some weeks it didn't seem like anything came in. Then a couple weeks later, something came in that summed up three weeks. He's faithful to his word. I said, he's faithful to his word. So it comes out of my mouth every day. Let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And if he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, then he greatly delights in blessing me, his beloved child. Satan, let go of this amount. Angels, go get it and cause it to come to me now. I have need for my sake and the sake of the gospel. So anytime it comes in, you know, I have harvest that comes in. I have harvest that comes all the time. Why? I'm sowing all the time. We sow seed all the time, I reap all the time. That's the law of sowing and reaping. And so there'll be times amounts come in that, you know, there'll be times the first lady and I talk, well, do we want to tithe off of this or we just going to give it all? Give it all, I see. Because we're going to tithe no matter what, but do we keep the rest or we give the rest away? Or there'll be other times where a large amount comes in and after we tithe and give an offering, we start looking to other ministries that have blessed us and we start sowing seed. So we've tithed, gave an offering here, then we go to KBM, our bishop's ministry, we send him something. Then I go to Brother Copeland, I send him something. And then whoever's podcast has been feeding me lately, I send them something. Well, I'm sowing seed. I'm scattering. So I'm going to increase. And so I was at, you know, you go to, you want a preacher that gets preached to. So at different times, I go to conferences and allow, and I receive ministry. So in January, I was at Brother Copeland's conference. And when you go to Brother Copeland's conference, there's 15 different sessions. About 12 different speakers. None of them are short-winded. And so you get at least an hour message, hour and a half message, sometimes two hours. And so your faith is growing while you're drinking coffee so you can stay awake sometimes. And so you have all these types of speakers. And then anybody you can imagine as a speaker is speaking or not. If they're not there, they're sitting in the first three rows. And so I was there, and one of the sessions, Bill Winston was preaching. Preaching up a storm. And he starts, go start speaking to stuff. And I was sitting next to Pastor Andre, and we were talking about it. And I was talking about, you know, places where I go, and I see these magnificent cars. And I'm like, huh. Like, and you think, and you see people driving them that you never thought would drive them. And so, you know, Ben Winston said, you better go start stalking stuff and call it into the work of the Lord. So if y'all see Pastor Sammy doing a hospital visit in Maserati, just know we spoke something and it came in. I just start talking to stuff. I start talking to buildings, airplanes, everything. Well, what are you going to use them for? I don't know yet. If I can't use them, I'll sell them. 
I believe I have authority. I believe I have dominion. I'm speaking something. And watching it come to pass. I release the blessing. I speak the blessing. That's one of the reasons I speak the blessing over you ever experience. Because I believe it comes to pass. Open your mouth and say something. One of the ways you reap is through your confession. We'll look at it this more next week. But then also another way you reap, as we talked about in February, God will give you ideas, concepts, and insights. He will prosper you through ideas, concepts, and insights. He will bless the work of your hands. Meaning you got to work. And allow the blessing to work on you as you work. And God to grant you ideas, concepts, and insights to increase. There will be times to cause people to come and bless you. Or as we've seen over and over and over again the last few months, debt just be canceled. Gone. They don't know how it happened. 18,000 here, 20,000 there, 30,000 here. Gone. That's harvest. Other people just find money in their accounts. How to get there? I don't, I don't know. They call the bank. We said, we don't know either, but it's yours. Hey, praise the Lord. Take it and pay some bills. God has a way to get it to you. You don't have to figure out how, just know what's coming. And when it does, oh, Father, I give you glory. This is my great year. This is my harvest. You are faithful. Don't go up. I'm just so smart. I'm just so this, I'm that. Just no, no, God. Oh, you're amazing. Make Jesus famous. Give him glory and honor and praise. Don't take credit for what he does this year. It's a great year. You give him all the glory, honor, and praise. You sanctify him in the midst of the people because he'll do wonders among you. What it says in Joshua. Believe God. Sow your seed. Keep your mouth right. Reap your harvest by speaking, by obeying, by being where God called you to be and doing what God called you to do. And you'll see it come to pass in your life. Amen. Well, I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.